0: Here I am, um, learning with you from Chicago tonight. Um, we are at the very top of 7A, um, Zayin Amud Aleph. Um, Rabbi Mishra Byosi. Rabbi said the name of Rabbi Yosi. Minayin Sheha Baruch Hu From where do we know that God prays? Shenemah, the verse says, Malhar The verse says, I will bring them to my holy mountain, and i will make them joyful in my house of my prayer to nemar. when god is speaking here it doesn't say in the house of their prayer or in the house of prayer in general si, rather in the house of my prayer mikanshakashba'um spalo so from here we know that god prays we are now at the first period on 7a my matsali now what what does god pray what is God's prayer about? Amrav Zutra Bartovia Amrav Am Zutra Bartovia says the name of Ravi, Hiratsan Milfanai. This is what uh, God prays. May it be my will in front of me. She rachamayas ka'asi, that my mercy overcome my anger, via Golu Rahmai Al Midosai, and may my mercy be revealed over my other attributes, the attributes of anger. And may I conduct myself with my children with the character of mercy. And may I go before them um, beyond the letter of the law. May I be uh, extra gracious towards them. So that is... Um, God's prayer, and God obviously prays to God's self. Alright, next period on Zion of Aleph 7a. Tanya Amr Bishmel Ben Elisha, or Ben Elisha said, or Bishmel Ben Elisha was a Kohen Gadol, was a high priest. So, Pamachas Nichnasti LaHaktir Ketoras Lefonailuf Nim. One time I went in to the Holy of Holies. This was obviously on Yom Kippur, because that's the only time um, the one person who was allowed in the Holy of Holies was allowed into the Holy of Holies in the temple, in the Beis HaMikdash. And uh, so he's saying that, one time I went in to offer incense, in the inner chambers, in the Holy of Holies. And I saw akastriel, God, the Lord of hosts. Um, This is some sort of divine manifestation, some sort of manifestation of God. He was sitting, um, this manifestation of God was sitting, Upon a high and exalted throne. And this, and, this, and God said to me, el, my son, bless me. So now God is asking for a blessing from the Holy High Priest. So I answered him, May it be your will, that your mercy overcome your anger, and may your mercy be revealed over your other attributes May you conduct yourself with your children, with the attribute of mercy And may you enter before them um, and treat them beyond the letter of the law And at that point, this manifestation of God um, nodded its head, as if to say Amen, amen to your blessing, the kamash malan. And we learn from here. We learn from the fact that God asked the high police for a blessing. Shalote hey berchas We learn from here that the blessing of somebody simple um, or of an ordinary person should not be taken lightly, because if God, the holiest of holy, is asking a human being for a blessing, then all the more so the blessing of anyone and everyone should be significant to us as well. At uh, this point, we are at the second wide line, right after the colon, at the end of the first wide line. From where do we know that you do not try to appease somebody while that person is still angry? As the verse says, So after the sin of the golden calf... Moshe asked that the divine presence, that the, the godly presence rest once again on the Jewish people. And God says, My face will go, and I will give you rest, or then I will answer you. So only when my face goes, only when my anger subsides will I then be able to answer you. Moshe, so what Hashem was saying to Moshe is, Hamtainli adshiyavru What God was saying to Moshe is wait until my face of anger passes, and then I will answer what you are asking for. So we see from here that you wait until somebody's done being very angry before trying to appease them. Now the question is, Now is there really anger before God? Does God really have anger? Now this is a very interesting question. Um... God is infinite, so of course, no finite description can describe God. Uh, but we definitely do find that we use human terms as adjectives for God. So angry, happy, and stuff like that. So what we're going to try to do now is is uh, speak more about the anger of God, but not to say that God is truly ever angry, because it's, it's, it's a finite term for an infinite being, but that's God, there is a moment, that seems to be that there are moments where God interacts with the world as if God is angry. So now we're going to talk more about that. So is there anger before God? And we answer in, yes, there is. The Tanya, as the Brysa says, God is angry every single day. So we are now two lines up from the very wide lines, the Kama Zaamo. Now how long does his um does God anger uh, does God's anger last for? Rega. It lasts for one moment. The Kama Rega, what is a moment? So we answer Echon Mechameshus Ribo Shmonas Alophimus Mona Meoshmonimus. It is as follows. One fifty-eight thousand eight hundred and eighty-eighth of an hour, the zohi rega—that is considered a moment. So that's how long God is angry for every single day. And no, no being, no human being, no creature on this earth is able to know the exact moment when God is angry. Except for Bilam the wicked. Bilam was a for-profit. For prophet, prophet. Um, Basically, uh, for the non-Jewish nations, he was the prophet that could be hired to perhaps curse the Jewish people in the times when they were in the desert after they had left Egypt before entering the land of Israel. So we say about Bilam, this uh, non-Jewish prophet, that he was able to know when it was that God was angry. He could calculate that one moment. As we know, it says about Bilam das elyon. He knows the knowledge of Most High. So we say about Belmed that he knows the knowledge of the Most High. And we have a question. We're going to try to show you how we where, what this verse what this verse really means. Hashta das behem das elyon yada. So are you telling me we know that he didn't even know he didn't even understand the thoughts of his animal? Right, and that's why eventually he had he hits his animal. It's a whole story, but we, he certainly couldn't even tell the thoughts of his animal. And you're going to tell me that he would able to be able to understand and and uh, know the thoughts of God? There's no way. Das Elion have the other. You're going to tell me he knew the thoughts of God, Ella. Rather, it must be that this verse that says that he knew the thoughts of the Most High, <laughs> rather, it must be that he knew exactly the moment at which God got angry. He would be able to tell exactly that moment. I just want to, before we go on, I just want to catch us up on the flow of the Gemara. So we started off with a teaching of Rabbi Yochanan about God's Prayer. Now, God's prayer also happens to do with God's anger. It's about overcoming God's anger. So after we finish talking about God's prayer, we then have another teaching of Rabbi Yochanan, which is actually about anger. So it fits because it's another teaching of Rabbi Yochanan, and it's also about anger in general, about how we don't appease people in the throes of their anger, and we bring a proof from God, actually. And now that we're still talking about the anger of God, now we're going to zero in on it a bit more. And um, that's where we are right now. We've talked about that there is anger. It's just for a minute, just for a moment. And Billam of all people, was able to tell when exactly that moment was. And now we are going to bring a proof that um, Bilam was able to tell exactly that moment when God would get angry, and he was hoping to use that against the Jewish people and curse the Jewish people at that moment. It just didn't end up happening because God did not allow it. But anyway, so now we're going to bring a proof that we see that Bilam was able to tell. And this is what the Prophet said to the Jewish people. Um, my nation remember what Balak, the king of Moab, tried to do, what his idea was. and we know his idea was to hire Bilam to curse the Jewish people at that moment of anger. And then the rest the next part of that verse says, so that you may know the righteous acts of God. So it says, remember what Balak and Bilam tried to do. So and then it finishes off with saying, so you may know the righteous acts of God. Now what was the righteous act of God in the context of Balak? Hiring Bilam to curse the Jewish people. So, my Leman Das Hashem, what does it mean when it says so that you may know the righteous acts of God? Amr Rabbalazar, says, Rabbi Lazar explains, God was saying to the Jewish people, Know just how much righteousness I did for you, how much good I did for you. That I did not get mad at all during the days of the plan of Bilaam to curse you. Because if I would have gotten mad for that moment, Billam would have been able to tell. He would have immediately cursed you at that moment. And then, And then, no Remnant would have even been left from the enemies of Israel. We see sometimes the Gemara uses the enemies of Israel when talking about something negative as a euphemism for the Jewish people. So God is saying, "Look at how good! Look at what I did for you! I refused to get angry even for a moment during that whole time of the plan of Bilam, because had I got him angry for a moment, Bilam would have been able to tell. He would have cursed you at that moment, and it would have meant your downfall." to Bilam and this is what Bilam said to Balak Balak took Bilam to task why, isn't, why aren't you cursing the Jewish people why isn't it working so this is what Bilam answered hashem how can i curse them if god does um how can i curse those that god does not curse and how can i um, and how can i make angry if god refuses to become angry so we see that that was bilam's response to balak which is basically saying malame this is teaching us shikol osan hayamim lozaam that during all of those days god refused to get angry even for a moment our five lines we are five lines down in the widest lines and we are now going to talk more about god's anger the kamazamo no how long does god's anger last Rega it lasts for a moment. The Kama regah, and how long is a moment. So we already spoke about this. This is another opinion. So Rabbi Avan says, and some say it was Rabbi Vina said, a moment is, as long as it takes to say the Hebrew word for a moment, which is regah. So that's how long a moment is. And from where do we know that God... Is angry for just one moment every day. Shinemar, as the verse says, It says his anger, or God's anger, is for a moment, um, and and his uh, God's God's favor is an entire life. So we see that anger is only for a moment. Perhaps it's from this verse in Isaiah in Yeshaya. Um, it says, hide yourself for a moment until God's anger passes. So we see God is angry only for a moment. And now we're going to talk about when is that moment of the day when God is angry. So when is it that God is angry? says, It's in the first three hours of the day the It's during the first three hours of the day when the sun whitens the red part of the rooster's head. I, th- um, I, I learned that it's called a crest. So whitens the crest of the rooster and it stands on one leg at that very moment when it stands on one leg and the crest is completely white. That's when we know God is angry. But wait a minute, doesn't the rooster stand like that at every hour? So we answer, We say that every other hour, when God's not getting angry, the rooster does stand on one leg, but there are still like red streaks in the crest. When At that moment when God is angry, then there is no red at all in the crest. It is completely white. Okay, so now that we gave the time for when this happens, and a, uh, and a physical a physical uh, way to know when the, God's moment of anger is, now we're going to talk about how someone tried to use this practically. There was a heretic that lived in the same area as Rabbi Shua ben Levi, and he would constantly um, upset Rabbi Shua Levi by um, giving heretical interpretations of the verses of the Torah. So one day, Rav Levi had enough, and he took a rooster. And what he did was, is he put him between the posts of his bed, meaning the, the the seat that he was sitting on, so be able to see the rooster, the iron bay. And he would look at it. He looked at the rooster, Savar, because he thought, Ki matahi Shaita, when that very moment comes that the crest turns white and the rooster stands on one leg. Um, when that moment comes, Alatiye, I will then curse this heretic so that I no longer have to deal with him. But the moment that that came, Nayim Levi fell asleep. Omar Shmami. Now, so we we see from here the fact that I fell this fell asleep. The fact that I dozed off at that very moment. So we see from here, Orach Hachi. It's not appropriate to use this to use this technique to curse others. As the verse says, As the verse very clearly says, this is actually an Ashrei, in Tehillim, and Psalms, it says, God's mercy is upon all of God's creations, and that would include uh, sinners as well. And we have another verse that would teach us that it's inappropriate to curse people, and to use this technique to curse people, even if you're righteous and the person you're cursing is a heretic. As the verse says, the verse says that punishment, even for the righteous, is not good, meaning it's not good for the righteous to punish those that, um, that sin. Just a little bit more about uh, God's anger. This one is, I believe, a line and a quarter before the colon, before the first colon in the wide lines. All right. Um, and Tana Mishmed Rebbe Mer. It was Tana the name of Rebbe when the sun rises, and all the kings of the east and the west, they put their crowns on their heads, and then they bow down to the sun at uh, idol worship. Uh, it's at that very moment when God gets angry, and that's the moment during the day when God gets angry. That is the end of ta- discussing God's anger. We will now continue on at the colon, the first colon in the wide lines. Another teaching of Rabbi Yochanan. That's how. That's the connection here. So another teaching of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan. says, "Mishum Rabbi Yossi, in the name of Rabbi Yossi." Again, in the name of Rebbe Yossi. "Mardus achas belibol shalom, Yosser mikama malchios." No, sorry. "Tova mardus achas belibol shalom." Better is a regret, a single regret in the uh, heart of a person. Better is that. More efficient is that than receiving a hundred lashes. So, meaning, coming to regret on your own is far more powerful than having someone try to get you to regret by giving you lashes, by corporal punishment. Shenemah, as the verse says very clearly, (laughs) So, by the way, this verse in Hosea is about the Jewish people, how um, they strayed... To other lovers, which would be other types forms of worship, but eventually return to their first husband, who is God. So what it says is, She chases her lovers. Um, she doesn't end up getting finding a satisfaction with them though. Um, "V'amra harishon." So she says, "I will go and return to my first husband." "Kitov li azmeata," because it is better for me now than then. It's better for me with my first husband than it is with all of these lovers that I've tried to pursue. And if you continue on in those verses, it talks about all of the afflictions that um, that this woman, or you know, symbolic of the Jewish people, that they had to go through. So we see that it was we see that it was her realizing. Mm-hmm that it's better with her first husband, this pang of regret, that was what got her to go back to her first husband, to return to God, much more than all the afflictions that were discussed, that are discussed in the following verses. So that's how we see it from this verse, that better is one pang of guilt in the, your own heart, than lashes that were, that a hundred lashes that are supposed to get you to, to get you to that uh, same end. The Reshlakish Amar, says back in the Gemara, Rishlakish says, Yoseri Mea Right. So um this pang of guilt or remorse is better than uh, is more effective than a hundred different lashes. As the verse says, this is in Mishli and Proverbs. Um, so again, um, a a rebuke or remorse enters deeper into a man that is an understander, someone that is that is understanding better than hitting a fool a hundred times. So we see that for an understanding person, coming to something on their own instead of um, externally inflicted uh, punishment is far more powerful, far more effective in returning to God and doing what is right. Another teaching of Rebbe Yochanan in the name of Rebbe Yossi. Again, we are at the next colon in the wide lines. i Yochanan Rilchon says, and then Rabbi Yosi, Shlosha Devar B'Kesh Moshe, Am There were three things that Moshe asked God for. Then Nasa and God gave it to Moshe. B'Kesh Tishrashchina Al Yisrael. Moshe asked that the divine presence rest on the Jewish people. Then Nasa and God gave that to him. Shenemar, as the verse says about Moshe asking, Halo Belechdecha Imanu. Is it not? that you go with us. In other words, what Moshe was asking for is the Divine Presence, go with the Jewish people, rest on the Jewish people. The second one is, Moshe asked, please do not allow your Divine Presence to rest. On those that serve idols, that worship idols. And God gave that to him. As the verse says, Moshe asked, So that we are distinguished, I and your people, from the other nations that worship idols. And that was given to Moshe as well. And the third thing that was asked, Moshe asked to know the ways of God, to understand how God conducts the workings of the world. And God gave that to him. Shinemar with a verse that says that Moshe asked to know this is na uh, Moshe asked, please let me know your ways. Amar Lifanov. And what was this mean what did this mean? What did Moshe ultimately want to understand when it came to God's ways? The question that plagues so many. Amar Lifanov, he said to God, Ribono uh, master of the world, why is it that there are the righteous that um, that do not suffer, that prosper? The and there are also the righteous that suffer, and then there are the wicked that prosper, and there are the wicked that suffer. But how do we understand all of this? Amarlo, Moshe. So God said, Moshe, Sadik ben If you see a righteous person that is prospering it's because he is the righteous person the son of a righteous person sadiq Viralo, somebody that is righteous but does suffers that's because he is a sadiq bin rasha he is the righteous person the son of a wicked person rasha vetovlo somebody that is wicked but prospers rasha ben sadik, he's a wicked person the son of a righteous person rasha Viralo, um, a wicked person who suffers rasha bin rasha is a wicked person the son of a wicked person but now, we are going to reflect on this to see if there's any legitimacy or validity in this explanation. Amar um, um, So, we're going to go now focus on this teaching that explained to us why some righteous suffer, some prosper, and some wicked suffer, and some prosper. Amar Mar, Tzadik Tzadik Tzadik, Tzadik and Rasha. So, just going over the teaching, which says that some, a righteous person that, prospers it's because he's the righteous person the son of a righteous person and a righteous person that suffers is because he is a righteous person the son of a wicked person Ini. is this really true i'm going to present to you two different verses the 1 verse says avon avos albanim it says that god visits the sin of the father on the son in other in other words it seems that God punishes a child for the father's sins. But another verse says, but another verse says, it says that the son will not die for his father's sins. For And we seem to have a contradiction in verses. How do we resolve that contradiction? So the way we've always resolved the contradiction from Sinai. It's not a question. It's not a contradiction. Where they keep the ways of their fathers, that's when they will um, suffer. So meaning when the verse says that God will punish the children for their father's sins, that's when they continue their father's wicked ways. (laughs) And where you do not suffer for your father's sins, that's when you do not continue in your father's wicked ways. So we see very clearly, though, that... What your father has done, who you are the son of, is actually irrelevant unless you are continuing in his ways. But as long as that is not the case, you do not suffer for what your father did. So in order to so to explain that you see a righteous person who is suffering is because his father was wicked is absolutely nonsense. So if that is the case, what was God's answer to Moshe. When Moshe asked why is it that there are the righteous that suffer and the righteous that prosper and so on and so forth. So we are now back into the Gemara. Eleven lines from the bottom. This is the real way to understand what God told Moshe. This is what God told Moshe. If you see a righteous person that prospers, that's someone that's a completely righteous person. If you see a righteous person that... That suffers, that's a, a, a an incompletely righteous person. Russia um, Vitovlo, if you see a wicked person that prospers, Russia Gamar that's a wicked person, but that's someone that's not completely wicked. Russia Viralo, Russia If you see a wicked person that suffers, it's because it that person is a completely wicked person. And the idea is um, the basic idea is, obviously, when we talk about why do bad things happen to good people, which is this is the source for the discussion in the Talmud, there's so much to talk about, as I've said before. But the very basic idea here, which I've also explained before, is that somebody that is completely righteous will get a complete reward in the world to come and um, has no sins to atone for in this world in order to allow a complete reward in the world to come. Someone that is not completely righteous but still is on the righteous um the righteous spectrum so they in order to receive the complete reward in the world to come they need to atone in this world which can come through suffering a incomplete wicked person but somebody on the wicked spectrum um what God does is allows them to prosper completely in this world um and thereby punishes them in the next world um, and doesn't and uh, and then someone that's completely wicked um there's no right there's no prospering in this world either, and of course, there's still complete punishment in the next world. So that's the very basic idea, but um, of course, this is merely just a little, little lens into this much bigger topic. Mer, back into the Gemara. So, what we just explained is that there was, this opinion felt that God did show Moshe God's ways, and explained to Moshe God's ways. the Rabbi Mer, but this argues on Rabbi Mer. Amar says, Moshe received two of the things he asked for, which was the divine presence on the Jewish people and no divine presence on those that served idolatry. But one was not given to Moshe. Shenemar, as the verse says, God told Moshe, I will be gracious to whom I am gracious. Even if it seems that that person is not worthy. In other words, I'm not going to explain my ways. And I will be merciful to the person. I will be merciful. Even though it appears that that person is not worthy. Again, I will not explain to you my ways. In that verse that discusses Moshe asking God to show him his ways, the part of the verse says, God says, I will not allow you to see my face. But it does seem, though, um, something else happened. So, but we'll, let's first talk about this part of the verse. I will not allow you to see my face. It's taught in the name of Rishua ben Karcha. This is what God was telling Moshe. When you... When I wanted you to see my face, you did not want to at the burning bush. It says that at the burning bush, Moshe turned his face away from, in order to not see. So God wanted Moshe to see there, and Moshe refused. So now, now that you want to see my face, God says, I do not want to show you my face. Now this opinion that says that Moshe was taken to task for not looking at the burning bush directly, um, argues on the opinion of Shmuel Ben Achmeini, Amr Rabbi in the name of Rabbi Yonassan. To Amr Rabbi Shmuel Ben because Rabbi Shmuel Ben said, Amr Rabbi in the name of Yonasan, Bishar Shalosh Zachal Shalosh. Um, as a reward for three things that Moshe did when it came to the burning bush, Moshe received three incredible experiences, uh, three incredible revelations. So now we're going to talk about that. So we see that Shmuel Bar feels that Moshe was actually being humble and righteous for not looking directly at the burning bush. Because it says that Moshe concealed his face and did not look directly at the bush, Panim. He was able. He was. Uh, he received this glowing countenance after coming down from Mount Sinai. Because it says that Moshe feared at the burning bush, a sign of humility. He received this. This status. The stature of people fearing to approach him. Obviously, there's a lot more on that one. And, uh, And because of the fact that he turned away from looking, he was able to receive the blessing of beholding the likeness of God. So, now we're going to talk further about the verse. It says, God tells Moshe, you are not allowed to see my face, but it sounds like there's something else that he could see. So what was that? So let's go further in the verse. I'm going to remove my hand, and you will see my back. That's what God tells Moshe. And there's a lot of explanation, a lot of uh, discussion as to what that means, uh, see my back. We're going to. The Talmud is going to now tell us something that won't give us much. But there's a lot more to that. Amrav um, Chana Bari Bizna, Amrav um, bar Bizna says, "Amr Shimon Chasidah in the name of Shimon Chasidah. Malami, this teaches us Kadosh Baruch Hu that God showed to Moshe Kesher Shel Tfilin, the knot of his head to fill, and knot of God's head to fill. In so, in other words, what the back was is the knot, which is on the back, the nape of the neck. That's what God showed to Moshe of, uh, of God's uh, being. For Amrav Yochanan, Mishum Rav Yosi. Okay, we now have another teaching of Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Yossi. That's again how we understand the flow here. Every single thing that God enunciates, that comes out of the mouth of God, that is for the good of His of God's people, even if there is a stipulation, even if it's conditional, God does not go back on it, even if it is conditional, and even if the condition is not fulfilled, the good thing still. God still uh, makes the good thing happen. alone from where do we see this? Mimoshe Rabin, we see this from Moshe. Shenemar, as the verse says, Heref Mimeni, the Ashmi Day. It says that um, God says to Moshe, um, Leave me alone, and I'm going to destroy the nation. And the Esse O'Schalagoi Atzum, and I'm going to make you. From you, Moshe, I'm gonna destroy the rest of the nation, and I'm going to make from you, Moshe, a nation that is mightier than the current Jewish people. Now, Allah de So even though Moshe asked for mercy on the Jewish people that they not be destroyed, Uvatlah, and God um, nullified God's decree that He was gonna de- that God was gonna destroy the entire Jewish people and recreate the people from Moshe. But once God said those words, then I'm going to make from you, Moshe, a nation that is even mightier and even more than the current Jewish people. Because God said that, God made sure that that was fulfilled with Moshe's, um, the, from, from Moshe's offspring. Shinemar, as the verse tells us, Shinemar, um, as the verse tells us, B'nei Moshe Gershom v'Eliezer, the sons of Moshe were Gershom and Eliezer, Rechavya Harosh, and the sons of Eliezer were Rechavya, who was the chief. Uvenei Rechavya, Ravu Milmala. And it says that the sons of Rechavya were Ravu Milmala. They, they increased, or they were many. Lamala, so high. So they were very, very many. But that word, many, or Ravu, we see somewhere else. The Tanya of Yosef. Yosef explains that when it says that they were very many, it's Lamala Mishishim Rebo. The word there... Of Ravu means that they became even more than 600,000, which was more than the Jewish people were when they left Egypt. Now, from where do we know that the word Ravu is a reference, that, 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 that the children of Rechavia, that were very many, which came from which was the offspring of Moshe, how do we know that that meant more than 600,000, or at least 600,000? Asya, Raviyah, Raviyah. It comes from the fact that we find a similar word in two different instances. Ksivhacha Ravu Milmala. Here it says the word Ravu. They became many. Um, an odd word. They became many. And so it says that by the offspring of Moshe. And it says over there um, uh, about the Jewish people in Egypt. It says there that the children of Israel became numerous and multiplied and were very many. And we know that their very many meant over 600,000. So so to hear when it says the very many, it also means 600,000. So even though... The rest of the, the the negative parts of what God said to Moshe did not become fulfilled. The positive part of Moshe becoming a nation even mightier than the current nation of the Jewish people, that ultimately was fulfilled because that's how God interacts with us. Um, it was a little bit longer today, um, but I will just finish off with that brief summary. We talked about God praying. We talked about... Um, um, anger and how to treat somebody when they're angry to wait until they're not in the throes of anger anymore. We talked about God's anger. We talked about Bilam knowing God's anger. We talked about a physical manifestation of God's anger with the rooster, but how we shouldn't be using that. Um, we talked about how a remorse that comes from, from within is so much more powerful than any sort of externally inflicted um, punishment. We talked about Moshe asking for three things and possibly receiving that. We talked about why do bad things happen to good people, why do goods prosper and suffer, and why do bad prosper and suffer. Um, we tapped, we tapped, we touched on that just a little bit. There's obviously a lot more, um, and we talked about Moshe's humility at the burning bush. We talked about. And then we talked about the last thing, about how if God says something positive, then regardless of the condition, that positive thing will come into being. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.